This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is hit well in a center field. That one's carrying out at center. It's out of here! Oh, Johnny with a pinch hit home run! At the plate is Mike Trout. The pitch on its way. It's blasted out to dead center field. Out of here. Ball gets away. He's going to break for the plate. Ball game is over. The Angels with a walk-off win here in the bottom of the ninth inning. This is the Angels Recap Podcast, a review of the past week in Angels baseball. Here's your host, Trent Rush. Hey, what's going on? And welcome to the Angels Recap Podcast. My name is Trent Rush. Certainly glad to have you here today in what looks like could be a pretty busy week in baseball. we got a fun show coming up, and I'm glad to have you here for it. do want to go over a couple of things, though, because for one, I, I know, like I, I just said, it, it's a big week for baseball. There's a lot of reports out there about the owners and players trying to figure out a plan to get baseball back. There are a lot of places you can go for in-depth thoughts on that. I have opinions. I'm not at a point yet that I'm ready to share those. So when that time is appropriate, we'll get into that. But for right now, I want to keep this positive. I want to stay optimistic, and I'm going to stay optimistic because I really think that baseball is coming back this year. I think that there are good plans out there, and once this thing gets settled, I think we're going to be really excited about what's to come for this current Angels team in 2020. I think this can be a really good team, an exciting roster and uh, with some of the rule changes that are being proposed I actually think it benefits the Angels in some ways and it also uh, is not the worst thing in the world that you know the Angels might have been without Griffin Canning and Shohei Otani to start the season had it begun at the end of March well here we are and you know some of the talks about possibly starting in July you know theoretically the Angels would have Otani and Canning ready to go for that so that is good news Um, there's really no true good news. This whole thing's awful. I, I wish, like everybody else, we got a regular 162-game season and the Angels were going to do their thing and get into the playoffs that way in a normal year. Well, that's out of the window now. It's not happening. So you got to find other ways to try to stay on the bright side, and I think this is one way that you can kind of look and see some hope, see some optimism, and say, hey, wait a minute, you know, maybe not the worst thing for the Angels pitching staff because I, I firmly believe – there's too much to lose for everybody if a season doesn't happen, and that's why I really think we're going to have one. So um, I, I, that's all I'm going to say on that matter because th- this isn't the place for that. This is the place uh, for you to take a little break, a little half-hour, 45-minute break every week to think about Angels baseball and get excited about what's to come and just take your mind away, have an escape for a moment about uh, some of the troubles of everyday life here uh, during this uh, COVID pandemic that is sweeping the globe. Okay. 
On the show today, Mark Langston is going to join us. We'll get a chance to hear from Mark in just a moment. I don't know how many of you uh, have been following these replay games, both on AM830 and Fox Sports West. One of the cool things about this quarantine time is we've gotten a chance to see a lot of great old games from Angels history, both on TV and radio. Well, tonight, for those listening on, on the day it comes back, uh, comes out, this is May 13th, tonight you'll get a chance to see Mark Langston's combined no-hitter. It was Langston and Mike Witt that combined to have a no-hitter for Langston's Angels debut. Crazy. It's a great story um, considering that you know, Mark Langston used to pitch for the Seattle Mariners, was an all-star there, had a great season. In his contract year, ended up getting traded to Montreal that offseason, signs a five-year, $16 million deal with the Angels. At the time, that was the biggest free agent contract in history. Yes, I said 16, not 60. Um, you know, it's just kind of funny to look back at it. But in 1990, that was a big deal. So in Langston's debut, who's he face? Well, his old club, the Seattle Mariners, but he was also not fully stretched out yet because there were some labor issues going on that offseason. Spring training was cut short. There were only three weeks of spring training, so he wasn't fully stretched out to go a complete game. Well, the problem was he just kept getting out after out after out. Next thing you know, he had a no-hitter going, ends up going seven. Witt finishes the job. It was a great moment and quite the welcome uh, to the Angels organization for Mark Langston, who uh, happily is still very much a part of the Angels organization, and we get a chance to hear him as the Angels radio broadcaster. Uh, does the color commentary alongside Terry Smith and the Angels baseball radio network, and uh, a friend of the show and a friend of mine as well. So I, I love getting a chance anytime we get to spend time with Mark Langston, and uh, looking forward to having him in just a moment. And then after our conversation with Langer, uh, I got a little history note that I want to talk about. We're going to take you all the way back to 1942. I got a story for you, so stick around for that. In the meantime, here now, our conversation with Angels broadcaster and former pitching great for the Halos, Mark Langston. Oh, it's a voice we are used to hearing a lot on AM830 and Angels Baseball Broadcast, but gosh, we haven't heard him in a while. He's Mark Langston joining us now here on the Angels Recap Podcast. Langer, what's happening, man? How are you? Well, Trent, I'm, uh, I guess, the same as everyone else in this unfortunate situation where uh, we're just waiting uh, patiently, hopefully, for to get some baseball back up and running. And uh, other than that, sitting around doing a lot of uh, reading, a lot of research on this coronavirus. And, and you know, that's, so that's where I spend my days and my time. I would rather be breaking down pitchers and, uh, in the offensive side than to doing some of the other stuff. No question about that. I would hope you have at least uh, busted out the guitar a little bit. Have you been uh, doing any strumming these days? Yeah. Oh, of course. That's uh, that's a given. You know that uh, the music will be uh, involved in my day at some point, whether I'm playing it or listening to it. Uh, definitely, that's a, a big part of you know of what I do. Certainly, I've learned a couple of new songs during this uh, layoff. So uh, that has been fun. But uh, you know. Anxiously waiting. Hopefully that we'll get this baseball back up and running. Yeah, no question about that. Yeah, you, I mean you've been you've had kind of had that guitar with you for a while. You even take it on the road a little bit, and uh, I know that that's like one of the staples. Is that something that like early in your career you started doing? Like for to just use music to help like relax you when you pitch. Like what was what was the reason for that? Yeah, you, you know uh, when you get on the road, there's a lot of downtime. I've always been involved in music, and and when I first came up with the Seattle Mariners, 
uh, I had a, a friend of mine who was actually in a band in Seattle that uh, I, I would go over to his studio and we'd goof around. He showed me how to kind of play the guitar. And, and it was never technical. It was like, hey, how do you play Hold On Loosely by 38 Special? That's all. And so I was never knew what I was doing, but I knew where the chords were and all that. So it was it was fun kind of learning songs from that point. And then as it progressed, uh, you know, I got to the point to where the downtime on the road, you know, that's how I occupy my downtime. I would have my guitar with me and uh, sit in my hotel room and, and knock out some stuff and entertain myself. I love it. Well, we've had a lot of time to uh, find different ways to entertain ourselves these days. Uh, a lot of sitting around, you know, it's been an opportunity to get some projects done and other things for sure. But, uh, again, we're all wanting baseball to come back, and we're hoping it does soon. Mark, I don't know how much of this that you've been seeing. I know that you're always all over it, but uh, the, the new talks between the owners and the players and trying to figure out a plan for baseball to come back – if you wouldn't mind, I'd be curious to know your perspective on what it was like when, you know, the 94 strike happened and what that was like. I understand really different circumstances, but can you take us into the mind of being a player at that time and at seeing this unfolding, knowing you want to play baseball, but there's all this stuff on the peripheral happening? Yeah, and those were unfortunate labor disputes that were created, you know, the nine, heck, I was involved in a bunch of them, the we had 85, there was a one-day strike. Uh, 1990, there was a lockout. And obviously the strike of uh, the 94 season uh, that kind of carried into the beginning of the 95. So there, there has been a lot of moments like that. And uh, it's hard to, from a mental standpoint, you are so geared, the, uh, the 1990 and obviously the 95 season, when you're geared up for spring training, you're ready to go, and those are the delays. That's where the delays were uh, for us. And, and that's the hardest part. You're, you're ready to go. You've done all your prep work. And all of a sudden, uh, that is not there. And it, it appeared quickly, so that's the fortunate thing. 94, uh, that was really unfortunate, that strike in the middle of the, the season. And that was the one that you just, when it hit, uh, you just thought that they would get resolved, and it just kept delaying and delaying and delaying. Finally, they canceled not only the end of the season, but the postseason. So that that was really disappointing uh, scenarios. But this is obviously a much, much different scenario from a uh, health standpoint. So uh, it, it's hard to even put the two, to, you know, all this together in the same uh, package. You know the players want to play. They were ramped up. They were so close for the season to start, and all of a sudden uh, – disappear so uh it, it's just i'm sure they didn't know what to do and at this point you're just hoping that there is some light at the end of the tunnel and that these guys will be able to get back and start doing the things that they're capable of doing uh but the long layoff that they've had it's just they, they've got to start kicking in that switch once they get the okay that uh, yes we are going to commence with the season uh get these guys back up and running Jeff Passan, I thought, put out a really good story earlier this week talking about uh, kind of both sides of this. And I thought that he had a really good point of like, hey, both sides have 
way too much to lose. Like, this thing has to come together at some point. So I'm going to remain in the camp of being optimistic. I believe we're going to see baseball uh, in 2020. I I think we're still going to have that 82-game season or something about that. I mean, that seems to make a lot of sense. Everybody really wants this to happen. It's just a matter of figuring out how, which is the important thing here. But, Mark, especially from the pitcher perspective, you talk about, okay, you find out the season's beginning, and then you start getting ramped up. What can you do in this extended layoff? Because for a lot of these guys, they haven't thrown meaningful innings since September. So not only do you go through the whole offseason, well, then you get ramped up, but you're not quite all the way there, but close. And now kind of restarting, a, how much of a challenge do you think it is or is it for these guys to maintain kind of that level while they're basically going through a second offseason? You know, to me, I think that's going to that has probably been the hardest thing for the players is the routine side of it and where they are at with the routine side of it. Uh, you would expect these guys to continue to, you know, and, and it's hard. You look at from a weight training standpoint and a training standpoint. Uh, where do these guys do it? All the gyms that in across the United States are all closed, so it's it's not like they can just go and continue their workout programs at these local facilities because they're not there unless they have them in their house or they're, they're, I don't know what the other options are, but that part is in play also. Throwing, you got to have somebody, hopefully a friend of yours that's a player or somebody that can play catch with you. You have to kind of keep that going, but it's at a very minimum level. Uh, so to me, that's probably a real uh situation where these guys are going to have to weigh that through the most important part is if they're going to start the season in july they need to know and and it sounds like we may know some information hopefully soon about yes they are going to progress forward with this and if that's the case as soon as they know then you start instantaneously ramping up whatever you've been doing and whatever it takes i I remember i i used to throw I think it was during the, the lockout in 1990, throwing the ball against the wall. I found the wall and just would go through my pitching stuff, throwing, doing my workouts with just a wall. And uh, so these guys will have to get creative with that standpoint, but uh, hopefully they will be able to ramp it up. As soon as they, they know that there's potential, I think that's the critical part, and then they can get it going. And then I'm sure there'll be just a uh, minimal three-week spring training scenario that will play out, and that will be enough time to certainly get them to start some kind of uh, some part of the season. Yeah, I know that that and that's what I'm hoping for. It's what a lot of people are hoping for. And and I, again, like I said, I, I think it's I think it's reasonable to stay positive and stay optimistic that this is going to happen. I just think that uh, these two sides are going to figure things out because we all want baseball to come back, and, and that's so important. Uh, you just got to make sure that uh, it aligns with uh, all the roadblocks that seem to be out there these days. Mark, I want to talk about one thing that's kind of been a positive of this quarantine. We have been getting a chance to go back and listen on AM830 and watch on Fox Sports West some of the great games in Angels history. And we're going to go back to your Angels debut. And this we're recording this on a Tuesday. It's going to air on Wednesday night. So this podcast released on May the 13th. Tonight, uh, it's going to be out. So, Mark, uh, take us back to that first game with the Angels where – you sign the contracts and then introduce yourself to your club by 
Tossing a no-hitter uh, combined with Mike Witt to finish the job there. Um, what was that day like for you? And going into that start, was there any kind of apprehension uh, at the time, knowing uh, that you know there was a lot more, I don't know if there was more pressure on you at the time, but also I'd imagine some maybe strong feelings facing your former club in Seattle. Yeah, uh, there's no doubt about it. You know, When I signed that offseason with the Angels, and you go through spring training, I don't care how many years you play or what your resume say, you still have to try to fit in with the boys. That That's the big part of the whole scenario is getting comfortable with your brand-new teammates. Uh, and you go through spring training, and you're kind of doing that. But until you really get into the trenches and, and the season starts, you know, and you start ramping it up, uh, then obviously that's when, it, to me, it really becomes you become part of that team. And so in 1990, there was an actual, there was the lockout. So we didn't, we only had three weeks of spring training. So everything was how to get, uh, you know, sped up as much as we could. And, uh, you know, you try to get yourself as prepared. And that first game, I I was only supposed to go five innings in that first game because we didn't have the base that you normally get through a normal spring training. So uh, I stepped into that start, you know, you always had the mindset, and then I never stepped into a game thinking, okay, I'm only going to go five innings. And that was a hard scenario, but that's kind of what, how it was presented. I always had the mindset of I'm going nine innings. Obviously, you break it down, you know, inning by inning, but you are programmed to go nine innings. Uh, the late, great Dave Henderson always told me, you know, there's only two things that are going to happen once the game starts. Either you finish and you'll shake hands with the rest of the team or they'll come out and take the ball out of your hand when they don't want you. So that kind of had that mindset. So that first game, as you mentioned, uh, you're, you're going to have the anxiety, and I had the anxiety going into that game and the nervous energy uh, as it was. But to face Seattle, this was the team that I came up with. You always thought you are going to play your whole entire career with one organization and I thought I would be with the Mariners my whole entire career until I was traded to Montreal. So uh, these are my closest friends on the other side. Alvin Davis was my roommate. He hit third in that lineup. So, uh, you know, he stepped up the whole plate. I remember it vividly. He just looked at me with that big smile and I, it, it was so hard to just have your focus knowing how tight you were with those other guys that uh, you had played against. I mean, a, an incredibly special day for you and for, you know, in Angels history. I mean, that, that's one of the great moments in the history of this franchise, and I, I'm glad we're getting a chance uh, to relive that. Was there a moment in that game where you might have thought to yourself, man, I, I keep getting out, so I'm, I'm going to have to keep going in this game. Did you ever think, like, okay, all right, here comes the fifth inning. Okay, the game, game is going to be over for me. Uh, but you said, you know, did, did you fight to stay in? What, was, what happened then? Yeah, as the game progressed, you know, it was a tight game. It, was a, it turned out to be just a one nothing ball game, so a very close game. Those kind of games, they just – your mindset is always so much sharper. Every pitch has purpose and meaning. Not that it does it normally, but obviously in a 10-to-1 game, maybe not so much. But in one nothing, you feel like you have to execute everything. Uh, and I threw a lot of pitches early in that game because I, I was amped up, facing Seattle. Uh, the you know there were so many things that involved, and I, I still I don't know how many pitches I had to be close to a hundred plus pitches by the time we got to the seventh inning. 
realize it's a no hitter, but uh, with with not having the base involved, they asked me, you know, how I felt, and I said, hey, I'm I'm tired, and so that's all they needed to hear. And uh, you know, Doug Rader, the manager, you know, made the move and based based on the information that I gave him. And that's where Mike Witt came in. And Witt, Mike Witt, I, I played against Mike Witt for so many years up in Seattle. Mike Witt was, to me, so dominating. And it was just bizarre to have Witter coming in out of the bullpen after being such an established star for the Angels in the rotation. Uh, and that's just the way it played out. And, you know, we, him and I have talked about it a million times, played golf. And it did feel like a glorified spring training game, you know, to where – we didn't have the base. It didn't feel normal. Just You were just trying to get through, kind of build up your arm strength. So uh, it, it was a bizarre game, a very tight game, emotional game for me. The outcome was unbelievable. Well, I'm looking forward to getting a chance to relive it tonight on uh, AM 830 and Fox Sports West. For those that are listening, as this podcast comes out on May the 13th. Again, we're taping this uh, on the 12th. So looking forward to listening to it on the evening of the 13th. Uh, Mark, for you, uh, now getting a chance uh, to kind of reflect back on that time. You mentioned you still play golf with Mike Witt. What are your relationships like with your Angel teammates uh, and even some maybe some of your Mariner teammates that uh, you came up with like today? Do you still stay in pretty good contact with those guys and, and maintain that brotherhood? Yeah, it's definitely a fraternity. And the guys that you talk to even today's game, I'm just, you, know, you just become it's a unique fraternity. Not a whole lot of people get to do that. Uh, obviously, some of my closest, dearest friends have, have come through the game of baseball uh, obviously, you know, we talked about Mike Witt, Donnie Hills in this area. There's a lot of, obviously, ex-players in this area here in Southern California, in the Orange County area. Uh, and, and we have no problems putting a little peg in the ground, go beat the golf ball around. Uh, so we have a good time. Uh, you know, Jim Abbott is uh, involved in that, Kirk McCaskill. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a nice group. Between here and San Diego, we have a whole lot of people uh, that like to play golf, and it's fun to get together with the guys and reminisce. And obviously, my Mariner teammates, I, I talk to them a lot uh, also. So it, it's fun to just, you know, just stay in contact with guys. And it seems like through this coronavirus deal, it, it, you, I've been in contact, seems like more than normal because the guys are checking in, see how everybody's doing. Yeah, again, that's one of the positives that's come out of this is is while we've had, you know, physical social distancing, I think that there's been uh, more social togetherness and getting a chance to connect with people you don't normally get to do or, or maybe you forget about, but, you know, they're never really lost on you. But now you got a little bit of time where you can go and connect and you're not just in the heat of the season with everything going on. Now, let's talk about when this Angels Club does come back, Mark, because uh, when we get back to baseball, and, and let's just say that it does end up being – in July, what kind of chances do you think that the Angels would have to, to contend? Because obviously, in a 162 game season, we like the chances with this offense. A shortened season, I would imagine, provides more of an emphasis on pitching. You do get some guys back pitching for you. Um, what are your thoughts on, on what kind of team the Angels can have when we do get back to baseball? You know, I, I'm excited. I was excited watching that team through spring training and what was building and what was going on. It was fun to see uh, some of the new guys. Obviously, Dylan Bundy was having a great spring, and it was fun seeing. This guy has had always that 
that high plateau but has not really reached it and you just know that that's that ability is in there and it was fun to see him kind of put some things together and sometimes a change of scenery can do that for you so it would have been it was interesting to watch him go i'm looking forward to seeing that julio Tehran, obviously uh his background he, he's a guy that's it's been through the uh the major league seasons has had great success in the past. He's a guy that you can count on to go out there and chew up some innings. Uh, you, you talk about you know the pitching side of it. That's going to be the critical thing for the Angels offensively. You looked at that lineup, and that is an impressive. I've talked to so many people, not only during the the winter time and in the springtime, and they were all, all they're talking about is man, how do you maneuver if you're a pitcher through that Angels lineup? It is just so potent. So that I'm looking forward to seeing that. That how does the pitcher work between Trout and Rendon? You know, be, those guys back to back who are both so patient. You just you can't make mistakes with those guys, and so you know it's going to benefit the guys behind them, like the Justin Uptons and the Albert Pujols and the Angleton Simmons. Those guys hitting behind those two guys. Uh, it, it, it's just it's that that part of it is very exciting. Well, and I can't help but think about, like, as, as upsetting as this whole thing is, and we all wish we could have a 162-game season, it would just be a normal uh, 2020 campaign, but you would have lost probably two months of Shohei Otani otherwise, and after Griffin Canning had that setback uh, in spring training. These are two pitchers. I know Canning was throwing bullpens just the other day. Uh, I think that, you know, that could be a big advantage for the Angels to have two key rotation guys be able to go for whatever length the season ends up being able to pitch in those games. Yeah, certainly. And both those guys coming off injuries, so you have to be very cautious with them. I don't care what scenario they come in and play. Both those guys obviously uh, are big-time pitchers for this organization and, and people that are they're going to be counted on heavily. But you still have to be very optimistic uh, that they're going to be able to get back and be able to do some of the things that we've seen them both do. And both those guys have contributed heavily into what you see and project. But coming off the injury, uh, you've you, you got to just be cautious with those two guys. But obviously, with the delay, it's allowed them to heal up. And for certainly for Shohei, uh, who was going to hopefully have been back in mid-May, towards the end of May, uh, he should be ready to roll. And if you can get Shohei back and get him, but you're still going to have to pay attention to him uh, and not overdo what, you're, what he's capable of. Uh, obviously, the rotation looks better with Shohei Otani in it and obviously yeah. Griffin Denning in it. Let's, uh, Mark, you also coach high school baseball. You were at my alma mater, uh, Orange Lutheran, for a little bit. Um, if you were a high school pitcher now, or if you were coaching and trying to give advice to some of these high school players out there, or maybe guys even younger than that that are trying to come up, or, or I guess you could even throw some college pitchers in there now, just in this uncertainty of everything happening right now, what would some of your advice be to, to those amateur pitchers that are trying to make their way to pro ball, but also knowing that, you know, here I am, this crazy time of my life, a chance to improve, to try to take advantage and, and not have this be a lost year. What kind of advice could you give them? Yeah, that's the unfortunate thing with through this whole deal, man. You just, your heart goes out to, the, you know, the, the kids that were in high school that were going to have the opportunity. Uh, and, and if they're seniors, this is their last chance. They didn't get the season. Uh, the kids that were in college, uh, you know, this could have been their big year, their junior year, to potentially be drafted. And with 
uh, your heart just goes out for them. You know, it's just this is so unfortunate in how so many different ways this has really affected people, and certainly for those guys. Uh, you know, you just baseball. You, you got to to get to next levels. You've got to have that internal fire. You got to have that internal passion. This has got to be what you want to do. It's very difficult to do. It's very difficult to get to the major leagues. Uh, but as I when I coached high school, the hardest part for me is when you had to make some cuts and cut some people, and uh, that my stomach would turn a week before because. I didn't want to be the guy that told somebody, hey, you, you know, you're not good enough to play. And everybody that I cut, I always told them, don't let me be the one that stops you. If you still have passion to play the game of baseball, I know guys that I play with at the big league level that were cut off their high school team. Uh, so if, if that passion still burns, uh, you don't let anything get in your way. You keep moving forward. And uh, you, you just keep plugging away, and time will tell whether where you go and, and as far as your path is going to be concerned. Mark, I think that's an important lesson for all of us right now, whether it be baseball or not. Uh, try to just try to keep our heads up and uh, move forward during these tough times. Mark, I really appreciate you doing this. I miss you. I, I mean, I, I'm used to see. I'm usually sick of you by now. Uh, here we go. <laughs> I kid, I kid. But no, seriously, I, I it's I, I miss you a bunch, and I can't wait till we're all together and at the ballpark again, uh, whenever that may be. Hopefully sooner rather than later. But I really appreciate you doing this, and thanks for coming on, Mark. Yeah, Trent. Anytime. I, I'm with you. It's uh, it's. It's been a bummer so far here in 2020. Hopefully things will get straightened out from a baseball standpoint and we can at least get that back for the, the people out there from the standpoint of they can listen to it or watch the baseball and get their minds off of a lot of the stuff that's going on around. And, uh, you know, thoughts and prayers for everybody out there and certainly always great talking with you, Trent. And hopefully uh, the next time we talk, we'll, uh, it'll be face-to-face. I certainly hope so. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. You've got a Trent anytime. Man, I tell you, there is just something soothing to the soul about hearing Mark Langston's voice uh, here on this show and getting a chance to talk Angels baseball with Langer. That's fantastic. And, you know, we're going to have to get Terry Smith, the voice of Angels baseball, on this podcast soon, too. I know that he and I did those Zooms uh, during the 2002 World Series run that was re-airing a couple of weeks ago. And, um, you know, we were on the radio as well. And it was great talking to Terry then. But I think it would be a lot of fun to get Terry on this podcast. Uh, so we'll have, to, we'll have to coordinate that with him. But do appreciate Mark, maybe at some point we get Terry and Mark together. I think that'd be fun. Um, so that's something that we can work on down the road for sure. Hopefully, we don't have to come up with too many off-season podcasts or quarantine time podcasts because I'm ready for baseball to be back. I'm ready to start breaking down games uh, on this podcast and on the radio during Angels recap. But as promised, I got to tell you about a story from 1942 because I, I love history and that was such an important season for baseball. And as we're all waiting on this decision for when baseball is coming back, I can't help but be drawn to what baseball was like during that time in 1942. Though they were very different circumstances, baseball in 2020 really isn't all that different. I mean, we're talking global crisis, financial instability, and the future of the game was being placed in the hands of the government. And that's really where we are now. While the owners and players try to work out a plan to return, ultimately, 
It needs the green light from the governor in some ways. Yeah, in 1942, Major League Baseball was coming off of an unforgettable season. Remember, Ted Williams hit 406 that year. Joe DiMaggio had the 56-game hit streak. Yet the biggest stars in the game just had their best seasons. However, the nation was still working past the setback that was the Great Depression, and after the attack on Pearl Harbor that offseason, U.S. involvement in World War II was dominating American life. Certainly, a draft was on the horizon as well. It was a tumultuous time in the nation, and President Franklin Delano Roosevelt was very much aware of that. He was also aware of a solution. While baseball commissioner Kennesaw Mountain Landis was conflicted on the status of baseball as he watched his players going off to war, he wrote FDR for guidance, resulting in one of the most important correspondences in baseball history. Let's go back even further for a moment. 1918, America was hit with the pandemic. Remember, that was when the Spanish flu was happening, and World War I was going on at the same time. Now, at the time, the influence of the war was far greater than the flu. In fact, that's how the Babe became a two-way player. Yes, when many baseball stars went off to war, Babe Ruth didn't, and he helped maintain baseball's popularity by being in the lineup every single day. So while he'd still pitch, when fans came out to see the Red Sox, they saw Babe Ruth because that's when he hit as well. So he was never off the field. Even still, baseball took a big hit as much as that helped, and baseball would be cut short that season, ending on September 2nd of that year. Now, fast forward 22 years, and now MLB was concerned that there may not be a season at all. Now, Consider this for a moment. Commissioner Landis was a staunch Republican, and to write an ultra-progressive Democrat like Roosevelt must have been a, a pretty humbling thought uh, for Kennesaw Mountain Landis, but a necessary step for him. And FDR would respond as the two put party politics aside for the good of the nation. FDR cherished baseball's responsibility in American life and sent back the green light letter, which he wrote the very next day. Now, in the letter, FDR told baseball to play ball. Now, that wasn't such an easy thing to do. Not only was it a great logistical challenge, but it presented some other concerns as well. But despite all of that, Roosevelt stated, quote, I honestly feel that it would be best for the country to keep baseball going. Now, that didn't mean any players would be exempt from military service, and it might even be tough to just feel the team. But at the time, MLB had the support and encouragement of the government to play baseball for the good of the people, regarding baseball as, quote, a vital asset to popular morale. I guess if you put that in 2020 terms, President Roosevelt viewed baseball as an essential service. Now, among the challenges, there were many security concerns, especially with the night games, because there was a fear that ballparks could be targets to be bombed and the lights would tip off possible enemies on the attack. But FDR chose not to be afraid, and the president still thought it best to play. Now, the green light letter still exists. It's in Cooperstown archived at the Baseball Hall of Fame because it was that letter that gave millions of Americans hope and an outlet to release from the stress of life and war and keep baseball at the top of mind for Americans, allowing for its prosperity to continue. 1942, America needed baseball, and she has every day since, no more than right now. That's going to do it for us here on our show today. Appreciate everybody joining us, including Mark Langston, for being on our program. Thanks to Howard Drescher for helping us out uh, behind the scenes as well. And you can also check out some other podcasts while you're at angels.com slash podcast. Go listen to our conversation with Tori Hunter that we just had uh, last week. We've had so many great guests. We're talking Tim Sam, Scott Spezio. I mentioned Tori Hunter, Mark Gubiza. 
Uh, we've had a, a lot of really cool guests on this show. Jim Abbott, that was one of my favorite conversations on this podcast ever. So go listen to those. There's a lot of good stuff if you haven't checked it out yet. And if you wouldn't mind, subscribe, give us a rating and review. We appreciate all that. It helps out a ton. So thank you so much, and we look forward to seeing you back next week. Take care, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.